Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Okay, here we are. We took a month off, um, but I'm back in the room with Roger, Tammy, and Kyle Clarkson. That makes it sound like all of you have the same last name. (laughs) Roger Wheeler, Tammy Hicks, and Kyle Clarkson. I think of Kyle as my dad. Yeah, they wish. (laughs) Papa K. Papa K. Well, well, anyway, little brother, we're, we're back. Um, That's probably better. It's uh, what is today? July twelfth. Blows my mind every time how quickly the summer comes and goes. We're midway through twenty twenty two, and uh, we're talking market stats. We got some big thinkers in the room. Rod, you look pretty excited about this this morning. I think this market is super fun, and trying to interpret it is a blast. So yeah, this is a great conversation. And for the record, there's very little prep that goes into this conversation. So we really are coming here with a few slides in front of us. You've got a packet to look at. Some of us need notes. <laughs> I've got notes. Well, yeah. it sounds like Kyle's prepped more than I thought. Yeah. Um, but if you are listening and you haven't yet, uh, download the packet of information. There's a handful of slides that we are going to run through. You can reference those, take notes, and then we're available for questions if we can help. Otherwise, let's dig into where we're at because a lot has changed in two months since we were sitting here. And... Uh, at the time, I remember actually feeling a sense of hesitancy about how positive the KCM report had been that month and feeling like it, I don't want to be in a bandwagon, right? And so interestingly enough, yeah, a lot, a lot has changed. We've gone from what, 3% three, three, three to 6 in a matter of... Five something. Well, I heard somebody argue that it's, yes, but it was 6 for a bit. Yeah. yeah it's and six. it was mid-2, yeah. so technically almost 4 percentage points. It is the fastest increase in interest rates in at least recently recorded history. Mm-hmm. And our market is definitely starting to change a little bit. So let's dig into that and see where we land. I did want to just jump, th- fly through these first few slides, um, all three or four or five of them, and then get your guys' so- thoughts and sentiment on all of them collectively. So in the packet real quick, slides one through like six. These are from Ultos. I watch this weekly. Uh, you can subscribe to Ultos's uh, reports, and they're actually quite insightful. But slide number one, uh, no surprise here, inventory is climbing. And so what this shows here is a relatively, well, first it shows the seasonal oscillation of inventory. Every winter, inventory goes down. Every summer, inventory goes up. The turn normally happens right now. So we normally see one or two more weeks at most of inventory increase, and then we see it flatten. Now, what we see here is a pretty steep upward curve, and we don't see any immediate likelihood of that flattening. But the point here is 450, 490,000 is 32% more single-family homes for sale today than exactly one year ago at 372,000. It's a notable increase in national inventory. Tammy was going to jump in there. Go ahead. No, I was, I was questioning your percentage number, but you're right. <laughs> I did the math. My math in my head took longer. <laughs> uh, the odds of me being wrong is pretty high. I, I actually... <laughs> I actually compared that, though, back to that 957,000 number three years ago. So we are 32% up from a year ago in terms of number of homes for sale, but we're still 50% lower than we were three years ago. And three years ago, we were feeling like inventory was low. Well, that, yes. Yeah, still low. (coughs) So that million number was historically low. Anyway, the point here, trajectory is upward and notably upward. The second slide, real quick, 
is regarding prices. And I want to be clear, there's also a seasonal oscillation on prices. So the average price of homes that sell in June are different than the average price of homes that sell in December. That doesn't mean prices went down. It means there's a seasonal variation in pricing. But every year around this time, we do start to see the flattening of prices. We are seeing that seasonally. Um, but what we're seeing is a notable decrease in, in the average list price, the median list price of, of new listings entering the market. And so we are seeing some price, not reduction. Let's talk about this in a minute. Um, but we are seeing prices start to soften there. Now, you'll notice how steep that climb has been, though, even through 2022, year to date so far. The uh, third, well, Just on that quick, the, the steepness of it was steep last year and, um, and this year, but not as steep prior to that. Correct. So we saw like close to 16, 17, 18% appreciation rates uh, for the last couple of years, right. which is ridiculously unprecedented. Right. Um, so that is starting to though curb itself at least seasonally. And the next two that I thought were just good for reference points that are very current, the slide three is um, really the question here is, is inventory climbing because of a bunch of new listings or is inventory climbing because demand has started to soften? And the suggestion from KCM, and I think Altos as well, is that it's more likely that what we're seeing here is a slight softening of demand, meaning some buyers are being sidelined. Uh, there is, though, a slightly notable increase. Look at the red line. For the first time, it's starting to rise above the other years. And the red line represents this year's new weekly and monthly listings taken. We are starting to see a slight surge, very, very slight. We'll see if it continues in new listings that are being taken. And the speculation here is that uh, sellers are seeing the market start to soften, and they don't want to miss the boat. They want to get their property on the market because they want to try to realize the prices that people are realizing now. Um, slide four, again, super quick, is um, relisted properties. That's another leading indicator that we want to watch because if we start to see a whole bunch of properties get relisted, um, that's a sign of, well, sellers but also agents going, okay, hold on, this isn't working. Let's pull it off, try refresh it and get it back on. Or it expired and it came back on. So a slight increase in that. Slide five is the one that I think is worth noting. We are seeing a notable increase in price reductions. So that the, the steepness of that red curve <clears throat> on slide five, we were down to somewhere in the 16% of listings nationwide needed a price reduction. We are now all the way up to 30, and that trajectory indicates that we'll get close to 40% of listings needing price reductions nationwide before it softens again. And again, those follow a seasonal curve. So the point here is price reductions are starting to happen. And that's a good thing. The final one here is actually just um, the seasonal flow of inventory. So every year, again, I said, we see inventory. So each of these colors represent a year. Beginning of the year is where we see inventory increase. And then around July is when we start to see the flow of increase decrease and then inventory tapers off towards the end of the year. Our lowest inventory point tends to be December when a whole bunch of people pull their stuff off. What we're watching here is that we're right at that inflection point where the blue becomes brown. Um, the, the brown is projected. So this is, this is what we project for the rest of the year. 
for listing inventory. So we, we expect inventory to keep climbing a little bit, but at a slower rate and then decline starting sometime in like October. Um, and so that is a bunch of Ulto stuff that I wanted people to see if they haven't listened to the report. Basically, inventory notably increasing, though still at relatively low levels. Prices seasonally starting to soften, but also softening a little bit from the result of some suppressed demand, we presume, which we see um, a normal amount of listings coming on, but we are starting to see more price reduction. So that's a lot in terms of a kickoff. Um, Tammy, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I like that face there. <laughs> um, anyone can jump in, but what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think it's in line with what we've been feeling um, in the office and with other agents. I mean, just in talking about it, it seems like they've felt a little bit of a drop in demand. Um, and so it seems to be in line with that. I think um, all these charts and graphs I look at, and I was on a call with Zillow last week, and he was showing me s similar stuff. And it's in line with how I feel, that this feels like 1819. And <laughs> what? 2018, 2019. Oh, I thought you said the year 1819. <laughs> yes, let me tell you what happened. Uh, no, like 2018, 2019, where, you know, perspective-wise is important. Like, those were really good years in real estate. They were a terrific time to be in real estate, to sell real estate, um, people, appreciation, all that stuff. And <clears throat> so the, the pace and all that right now feels like that. Doesn't feel like it did, you know, uh, COVID to, you know, earlier this year but still really good. So describe the pace anecdotally. Uh, have you felt a slowdown? Yes. So, you know, I, I, I've used this illustration many times, but it's been like we were driving 150 miles an hour down the interstate. Now we've slowed down to 100. It's still really fast, but it's not what we've been since right after COVID to, to this spring where it, things were crazy, out of control, you know, what all that, but still really good. And what are you describing? Are you describing the activity on yeah. your listings or are you, uh, are you describing the volume that you're selling? Uh, I'm just probably all that. I mean, volume that I'm selling uh, is not what it was. Um, activity on listings, still really good. The amount of, you know, uh, you know, we got 51 pendings right now. That's still really good. Um, so, but last year we were living at 60 for about seven, eight months in a row. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you use the word seasonal a few times there. Um, and I think there's something important going on seasonally that we haven't seen before. Through all of the cycles we've been through for the last 20 years, no matter whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, there's always this annual seasonal thing. January, then it becomes March, and now we're in spring. And that goes through the first of June, and then all of a sudden July and August are slow. We're in a summer summer downturn. Then it goes up a little bit. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that because we had that six week period where interest rates went up three percent in six weeks, the normal July one summer slowdown, I think it happened April one, and so. April and May felt like the seasonal summer slowdown to me, which is when normally we're in the, the busiest spring market. And I've actually seen an upturn now as we got to the last week of June and now into the first half of July. It looks to me like we're out of the summer seasonal slowdown 
right now, and we should be just starting it. So I feel like our seasonal curve is a couple of months off because of a, I'm going to call it a whiplash because of that six-week interest rate deal. One of the struggles with this kind of conversation is <clears throat> each anecdote is, is too small of a, a data set to be reliable. So you may be experiencing that because of a vacation you took last year at some point, or yeah. it is interesting because yeah. across... But I, but what Kyle said, I think, is right. He, he said he sees his buyer activity kind of shifting a little bit, but his listing activity didn't seem like that was a lot slower right now. And, and I agree with that. It seems faster right now, and it should be slower. It could just How be... How quickly they sell? Just, just the activity, the showings, yeah. the offers, the people asking. Well, let's be clear. I inventory is going up, but the listings coming on are still selling relatively quickly. Um, and many of them still multiple offers mm -hmm. same day, right? Yep. Even at yeah. 6%. Um, but I think we just got to be clear about some of the forces at play. There, there does seem to be somewhat of a tampering of or dampening of um, demand. Some buyers are stepping back right now. Inventory is ticking up across the board. Like I, I looked at DMAR's data. Uh, DMAR also has 30, I think it was 32% more listings today than it had one year ago. So, so yeah, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. The only point I'm making is that I feel like the seasons are off because of that Whoa. interest rate thing. Well, that, I think the I seasons have been off since for, 20. Yeah, I think seasons have been off since 20. COVID, I feel yeah. like I, we still saw it. We still saw we a really busy we spring, did. a slowdown in July and August. We, we, uh, we saw all that. Mark but, it up, mark it down. But now it, I, I don't know, feels different to me. I think it's because of that interest rate thing. Well, I, I, I think, think you're that, right. I think that plays into it. But if you look at slide six... I mean, you can see the difference in, in the seasons and on slide, slide one. one. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, it's we still saw those same curves happen. Um, they were just different times and different heights than what they normally are. Um, and, and I think that it's going to take another year to even that out. Yeah, that is the question, how this plays out long term. Slide five, to me, is the one that makes it most obvious yeah. Because this year, you can see that the the price reduction started way earlier than normal. Usually, the price reduction curve is a fairly slow thing playing up to the summer. But this year, it started clear back at the end of March, and it's gone up really quickly. Well, it, it, it went up from ridiculously low levels. So yeah. the problem is it was way suppressed from the 30% that we would normally see. I think we're not, none of us are actually disagreeing. No. The 20, Tammy, to your point, did not have a normal seasonal cycle. We, we lost, there was no normal spring cycle. Interest rates, doing what they did, Roger, to your point, this year had a similar, um, uh, I guess, just a variation in terms of what it did to the seasonal market. But, but where we find ourselves today is just objectively the bullet points. Inventory is ticking up notably. Yes. Um, it's like it's been 7% every week for the last like five or six weeks. This week was only 3.5%. But inventory is climbing, but again, to levels that are probably just more, slightly more healthy. Interest rates are high at this point. Some buyers are on the sideline and there's a slight slowdown going on. At least that's what I'm getting anecdotally. As I talk to everyone across the company, there's a lot of our top agents saying, oh no, it doesn't feel like it felt two months ago. Um, what I'm curious about then, and you can go back to those anytime you want, guys. I just wanted to lay the groundwork with those. But if we keep going through these then, so slide seven is all the KCM stuff from this month. And I actually thought some of this was really, really interesting. But they started with a conversation about 
what mortgage rates tend to do during the recession. And I think you all saw it. And the argument was, hey, don't worry about it. Yes, they went to six. But if there is a recession coming, it actually means mortgage rates will go down. And the argument is the economy uh, needing stimulus means that the Fed will make sure they bring those back down. Now, I could make a case that this situation is slightly different than previous situations. Um, but then I go back to 1980, and I realized 1980 was a lot like today. The driving forces were inflation. Government overspending, increased wages is, is exactly what was going on then. And they did ultimately pull the mortgage rates back. Anyway, I was curious what you guys thought about that and what your understanding of where rates are today and where you understand they're headed. Thoughts on all that? Wrong group of people to ask. Cause yeah. Well, they kind of made it sound right off the bat that, hey, this, but depending on what the second quarter numbers, that this might, we might be in a recession. Uh, that's kind of how they start the whole thing, right? Which would suggest rates should start back down. If we're, if we're near the end there. of it, if we're pushing out of it, but... Unless the inflationary pressure is high enough that they need to drive us further into a recession. I mean, the whole point of the recession is we're making a recession. Yeah. And we're making a recession to over to, to cool down an overheated and overstimulated economy. Yeah. So we are probably in the second quarter of negative GDP growth. Yeah. And that'll come out here in the next few days. Yeah. Which technically kind of means we are already in a, a def, the definition of a recession. Right. So, yeah, their point in that was, you know, interest rates rise at the beginning of a recession, which is, I guess, where we'd be, and then come down uh, when we're trying to get out of one. So, stimulate the economy. Did you guys see the projections on interest rates moving forward? Yep. Because I, I think what they're, it's the, it's the final slide in here, slide 13. I don't have the numbers, but they're basically suggested that their forecast is for this to hang out at just above five for the next two or three quarters. Can, can we trust? Can we trust that? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we need to pull out their old slides. <laughs> well, they're not alone. I mean, nobody thought we were headed to where we were. Well, and that's point. not KCM. They're yeah. just quoting yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. CoreLogic yes. and everybody yeah, else. Economist, yeah. The point, if they are correct, we've seen a spike. Um, we saw a spike all the way to six and then a slight pullback to five and a half. Are we at about five and a half today? Yeah, let's get five and a quarter, five and a half. And yeah. all of that was an anticipation of the fact that the Fed was going to go raise the Fed funds rate. And now they're suggesting that we believe even with a couple more Fed funds rate increases, we expect it to hang out at five. So what I'm curious about is your sentiments on that in terms of buyer psychology. So Roger, kind of to your point that it went up, it slowed things down early, but now it's... Now, now six is the terrible number, but five and a half is slightly better than that. And if we get to five and it hangs out at five, what happens in the mind of buyers in this, in this environment? I had, I had uh, clients that three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, said, nope, we're going to wait. Interest rates too high. We don't, they, were, they were looking for new construction, new construction, building, whatever. Rates are getting too high. We're going to sit it out. Well, last week came back around as rates kind of ticked down again. They're like, well, we don't want to build because we don't know what rates will be, you know, 10 months from now if we're going to do that. But we like, we're okay with where the rate is today. So let, so they bought a house on Sunday because they're okay at, okay, five and a quarter. I know that. I'm going to buy this new house, lock it in because that's what we want to do. Where, you know, three weeks ago said, nope, we're sitting out till next year. Is that a case for re resale? having more strength in this environment than at least um, speculative new construction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
I think when you're talking custom home, that is that is a big unknown still. If I was going to take me 10 months to build a house yeah. and seeing what rates did over the course of the last 10, you know, well, not even 10 months, but it, it makes me nervous uh, as a like as a consumer thing about building a house where I'm going to be. So not the same problem with a spec home. No, no, no. Yeah. It's no, about custom no. homes. Yeah, spec, custom only. Spec yeah. homes, we're still looking at, we're so far under inventory. Yeah. Just keep building. Although... Kyle and I had this conversation a week ago because it sounded like some of our local builders had pulled back on their housing starts. Were you able, Kyle, to ever get any verification? Yeah, of that? it doesn't doesn't appear any any pullback at all. Yep. But I, I think I'm feeling well, that just well, with the ones that I've shown, the builders are actually reaching out and saying, "Hey, what can we do to put a deal together on this?" Oh, so yeah. I think that has more to do with price range than... Well, I was talking specifically like D.R. Horton, where they're continuing to press forward building yeah. that builder. But there certainly are builders that are pulling back. Yeah. I think you could see that in new starts. Yeah. Well, we saw a, a new high of cancellations. So I think it, it jumped from a normal 10, 11 to almost 16% of contracts being terminated mid, mm-hmm. mid-cycle. mid A lot of that new construction. <clears throat> and for that exact reason, you got people that... And they're, they're forfeiting earnest money, but they're they're stepping out and they're saying, look, it's uh, when we signed this contract with you is with the understanding of 3%. A day at five and a half, I can't afford your new construction house. Keep my five grand. Mm-hmm. I'm moving on. And that's not a scary number, 16%, but it is a trend. We're seeing, um, and, and so for that reason, some of these builders then turning around and wanting to be a little bit more aggressive on trying to get it sold. Now, so for some of the builders, Kyle, we've talked about this, that actually may be a better thing they may be able to actually turn around and sell that property for more today than what it was sold for eight, nine months ago. Well, it, it, part of that's going to be true because I, I see like Destiny and Happy and <clears throat> who are offering 4%, you know, yeah. on buy side. So mm-hmm. clearly they're, I mean, trying to incentivize the uh, buyer's agent to, to bring their buyers around. So, so on this next slide, um, NAR, I've talked about this a little bit at team meetings. NAR then has adjusted the national sales volume from a projected 6.1 million. Well, sorry. I believe the projections for this year were also in the sixes. Last year was 6.1 million. They've, they've dropped that down to 5.4. So I don't know what that, Tammy, statistically, what is that? That's a, it's a half million off 25%. No, 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 no. 10%. 700,000. 6.1 to 5.4 is 10%. Yeah. But I li- I mean, that illustrates the point. 5.4 is, I mean, in 2018, 2019, we were both 5.3. We talk about the feeling, the activity. I remember the old narrative here. It was, this was like during the recession, the big recession, at least. Um, three to four million was a normal year in real estate sales for NAR. When we came into 2003, four, and then five, we went from five to six and then to 7.2 million. That was the highest we've ever seen. That was 2005. And so back down to five, five million in 17, 18, and 19, that was a really healthy mm-hmm. amount of sales volume. Um, COVID brought about this crazy demand for over $6 million of, re- sorry, 6 million units of real estate. And the projection now down to 5.4 is not down to unhealthy. It's down from unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But, but Kyle, your point is this is projected in 22 to be the same as 18 and 19. Yep. But our inventory is still half of 18 and 19. Yes. So we're still selling the same amount of 
of units with half the inventory, that's still a very different market. Oh, yes. That's and that's the scare, not scary, but that is what is uncharted territory is because we don't know then what that does to the, imp- well, basically it all comes down to what are the prices going to do? Yeah. Uh, but that's related to the interest rate thing too. That's what's so interesting. Why they're driving it down. Because we see interest rates go down or go up to fight inflation but that inflation is what's driving our prices up as well, uh, especially on the new home construction side. Mm-hmm. New home construction prices maybe up 50% in the last two years. <clears throat> what's the, I, I guess I'm not sure the distinction you're making, that's exactly what they're trying to drive down. Like one third of the U.S. economy is housing. And so all this food inflation, gas inflation, and then housing inflation is exactly what the interest rates are trying to curtail. So the question I asked at our sales meeting this morning, I don't work with that many buyers, so I don't have this answer, but it seems like Kyle was describing, so you have buyers who three months ago, four months ago said, I've lost out on three or four offers. I'm just going to pull out for now, even though they could have had a mortgage at 3%. They, they pulled out, and so now are, is that guy going back in because the, 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 the interest rate's now 2.5% more, but I might not have to compete. And so I'm wondering if those people have really come off the sideline yet or if they're still sitting there for some reason because now, now it's no longer multiple offers that's scaring them. Now it's interest rates that's scaring them. And so it feels to me like the buyer market is still way... Kind of, there's still a lot of people on the sidelines. I, I think there are, and I think there need to be, and I think that sucks for us as salespeople. But I think the more that happens, the more inventory gets driven up, and the more that happens, the more prices do soften, and the more that happens, the more the, the incentive actually grows for buyers to step back in, both on options and on like what because the current projection for next year, at least that I've understood, is we should expect basically no appreciation for the 2023 real estate year. We would expect real estate to basically hold the line next year. And if there's more properties... Is that what they're saying? Well, that's different than what they were saying that is different what's two months here. ago. Yeah. Um, that, is what, uh, that is what the, I would say, the most current talking heads are suggesting regarding 2023. I, they were making a point about the difference between depreciating and decelerating. decelerating. And I think they were really clear to say it's a deceleration. It's not a depreciation. If that's the case, nobody should be sitting on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Prices are still going up and interest rates are still projected up. You should buy today. You're better off buying today than 60 days from now. Potentially. Depending on your circumstances. But yes, I, I don't, disagree i think that um man it's a little <laughs> i bought some stocks for one of my kids this morning and uh i i'm pretty sure that w- this etf that i bought for them is still going to go down further but it's okay because they're 14 and so in their circumstances the fact that it could go down slightly more is of no concern to me because i'm in it for the long haul with them right but and that's I, a different deal well i think it's the same with housing if you're buying a house now and and the likelihood of you selling within a year to two is a real thing, I would say that your argument's a little less strong than if I'm planning to move into my house for the next five to 10 years. Two slightly different circumstances. No? I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I, most people do stay in their house more than two years. And so that is a conversation to have if someone is going to be moving soon. But so, so I'm not talking about people trying to buy 
at the bottom, which is kind of what you're talking about with a stock or with an investment. I'm talking about somebody buying now um, because they're, it doesn't matter how long they're going to hold it. If they buy it now and the market is decelerating, not depreciating, you by definition should buy now because if interest rates continue to go up, you're going to be worth because prices are going to go up. I agree with that based on the if. The, 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 the if there was if it is in fact going up. Let's jump to nine and 10 because yeah. it's actually what we're talking about. Um, these are the, the, the home price forecasts for the remainder of the year. So that's slide nine. And the average of all of these super duper smart people that have been wrong in the past is suggesting 8.5% appreciation for the remainder of this year. Now, I, I think I understand this correctly. I think that's what homes will have appreciated at the end of this year in total. And I think that most of that has already been realized. Because what we're suggesting now, what I'm suggesting, is that there's no more appreciation really coming. There's just, yeah, we've already seen 12, 15%. And in certain markets. And so now we're seeing that flatten, but by the end of the year, 8.5%. MBA is the most uh, conservative, not conservative, I suppose, negative yeah. projection. And then if you jump to 10, this is what they're suggesting, all of these talking heads again, for the next several years. So four, three, three. Now, Roger, I go back to when you hired me in 2002 or three. I remember the standard idea there was homes appreciated about three to four percent a year yep. and so what they're suggesting here is normative appreciation next year moving forward but this year we're still expecting and this is this is coming from hps which is the the 9.3 on the previous slide so this is one one organization's projection for next year others are suggesting basically zero appreciation 23 and four uh, 423 but um so to your point, Roger, if it's going up, let's say that this slide 10 is correct. And if it does go up nine in total this year, but next year is going to be another four and three, then buying that house today, even at 6%, is still a better idea than holding off. Yes. That, is that your argument? If interest rates are continuing to go up as well. Certainly. Interest rates are going up. Prices are going up. Why would I not buy but wouldn't, today? Wouldn't you, wouldn't, so I'm agreeing, but wouldn't you, even if interest rates go down, it's still better. Oh, I agree, but that's not the projection. Just refinance. That's not the projection, yeah. Yeah, you protected there. Um, okay, so your case is buyers should not be as scared as they maybe are. There's more emotionalism going on than what would rationally be uh, suggested by the data. I don't know that it's... I, I think it's intellectualism, just like you compared it to Stocks. buying in a stock. And I'm just saying it's not the same as a stock because... It's not volatile the way that a stock is. It's much more predictable than a stock. Somebody else want to tell Roger why he's wrong? I think he's right. So okay. <laughs> hey, That was a fist bump for anyone that didn't see that. <laughs> so he's right. Therefore, what are you suggesting? So I'm jumping ahead, but what's your guidance to a buyer right now? Uh, definitely to jump in. I mean, I, so... Right here tells you the story, but I mean, if I got a three hundred thousand dollar house, we're talking ten fifteen thousand dollars a year. If I wait two years, you know, that's house has gone up thirty thousand. I mean, it's, we used to use that old uh, cost of waiting sheet to show people what they lose by what yeah. by waiting. I, I think that is still true here, even uh, with back to normal 
whatever. Appreciation yeah, every year. Like yeah. that's normal. So now we're having normal conversations. You know, we have to be clear about what we're comparing to because some of what we're talking against is a camp of individuals predicting something like 2789 yeah. again. Yeah. I think no one in this room foresees that at this point. Not at this point. No, and I would actually say I think their projection for for 2022 of 5.4 million is low. I I sales volume? Yeah, I feel like they're underestimating what the fall market will do. I think if, if prices do decelerate and <laughs> uh, say the right word. Yeah, uh, we have to think about it. Do, do we know the number of sales yeah. today? Like, because, I mean, our spring, you know, even late winter, spring market was incredible. We do. I don't have it. But yeah. I mean, we I have just it. wonder how much of that 4.5.4 has already been realized. There. Yeah, well, what they've been doing is is slowly tapering the, the um, seasonally adjusted rate of sale. And so we're on track for 5.4. Volume is down. Yeah. Um, compared to last year. Yeah. Um, that's not uh, speculative. Can't argue it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think if 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 rates hold hold steady, I think you'll see more buyers this fall. Yeah. Then, and I, I think they're overestimating how much that's going to drop off in the fall. And and the other thing is, we're talking fully nationally stuff right. here. Right. And in my opinion, Iowa just improves all of that. Uh, even another conversation I had with Kyle a couple of weeks ago, where he was talking about out-of-state buyers coming in. I mean, 20 years ago, if we had this conversation, we might have been looking at population decline or that sort of thing that we're dealing with here in central Iowa, but that seems to not be the case at all. So we only have four mics here, but what I think I need to do is find a negative perspective or opinion to join the room to make a case in the opposite direction. Looking at well, it was Tammy. Was it a year ago or two years ago when you were the voice saying, "Oh, I think it's all it's going to drop out," or it's going. I can't. Do you remember the conversations? Yeah, yeah it was late last year. Just last year, yeah. yeah. Or January. Hmm. Well, I was listening to. I, d- I don't want this conversation to stop, but I want to <laughs> add to it. Go, go go to eleven and twelve now. Slides eleven and twelve because this is the this is the positive case. The positive case that's being made by not just KCM, uh, most people actually, same thing from Alto, same place from anyone I'm speaking to is there are two, there really were three principal driving forces creating the demand. The first has been the interest rates. That is no longer with us, right? Um, But the other two are slide 11, a absolute real, not imagined, not created, not inventory deficiency. For, for a sustained almost decade, we did not build at a sustainable rate. Builders shut down their operations. Other builders uh, just got scared. Finances dried up. Land stopped getting developed. And we, we have a, a real deficiency of housing. Like there are too many people and not enough houses. And even if we increased production of new housing right now by 50%, we would need to hold that increase of product, which isn't happening, by the way. We'd have to hold that line for five, six, seven, eight years just to fill the hole. So the point here is that the inventory problem is not going away anytime soon, even though inventory is increasing. We need real housing. The second point on slide 12 is that, again, there's a real demand force at play by way of this uh, millennial buying demographic that 
is just now, they're slightly delayed compared to previous generations, but they are, I forget how this was said, they date, they mate. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand this slide. I, I need you to explain it to me because I think it is a really critical thing. I talk about population, yeah. but I, I can't really understand what well, you're saying. this slide, if you were to flip it vertically and make it like a beehive, like this, which is how population graphs usually are, you would see that the widest chart by a notable amount, the widest segment of people running through our population demographic is this millennial buyer pool. And so there are more than ever young individuals with jobs, well-employed in a strong, relatively strong economy, um, having kids. Mm. And their rents are ludicrous mm. and going up. And so even at 6%, they have jobs, they need to live somewhere. And as inventory starts to show up, what they're going to want to do is pick up what they can and... Uh, and it's a, it's a real demand. Uh, so we've got two forces at play. One, there's real inventory deficiencies. And two, there is real uh, pool of buyers wanting to get into the marketplace. Those two forces keep this thing moving, even with all of this um, suppression by way of interest rates. And I think that that millennial group that is showing, I mean, if you go back to 2018, 2019, they were the ones that were waiting to yes. buy a house. They were waiting to do thing, you know, do some of that. And so they, now that they are in a spot where they're having kids and they're needing to buy a house, they're increasing the amount of demand that we have. And they don't have anywhere else to go. Right. These people have to live somewhere. High. Yes. Rents are too high. Um, so I'm looking for the negative voice still. Those are not <laughs> negative forces. Those would indicate that um, the demand is real even at 6%. They, ke they kept talking about it, but supply and demand, I mean, it, it's what drives it. And supply is still incredibly low, and there's you know still a solid demand out there. So, like that's why I go back to the acceleration. Like as long as the inventory remains low and there's still people buying, how are prices not going to continue to rise? Well, seven, eight, nine, and ten percent interest rates. Well, that that would <laughs> that would hold my demand negative. back. But. I don't think they're going to go that high. Yeah. I, yeah. no, that I would hold the main negative. That, that's actually positive. That's a positive. <laughs> no, I agree. I don't think that the U.S. economy can. So in, in environments where the Fed allowed interest rates to go that high, it was because the economy could sustain that. But it's a, it's a marketplace, right? So right. If, if interest rates go up, it pulls back consumer demand. If you do that, sales slow down. If you do that, prices soften. If you do that, consumer demand increases again. So there's a point at which these people get back in. And they can't, um, I don't think the market is strong enough to, the Fed cannot allow interest rates to get that high. Right. It all falls apart at that level. Yes. Okay, but, um, so let me try go, let me go somewhere a little more practical with this. So we kind of touched on buyers. Uh, just do this real quick though, go around. I'm looking for a consensus or any kind of variation. Advice to buyers right now that we're offering, are we, are, we, are we suggesting to any buyers, hey, maybe you should hold the line a little bit? Or are we where you were 10 minutes ago? Now's the time regardless of where the market's at. Yeah, go, I go back to that appreciation slide, which it still seems even low. Like if five years from now, that house is going to be worth 40, 50 grand more, whatever. So, so you're still there. Tammy, you're there too. Yeah, I'm still there. I mean, obviously, there's going to be the outliers that maybe they should wait, but and you still need to have a consultative consultative approach. But I think for the majority of buyers, they still it's still a good time to buy. 
And you made the case. Yeah. Well, and I think there's maybe a little bit of re-education because this millennial group didn't really know what they were doing. And six months ago, they thought they could afford a $500,000 house. True. And now all of a sudden they have to recognize really 375 is kind of where I should be. So I think there's some re-education there and, but, but absolutely buy the 375. Yeah. Uh, be uh, okay with a 375. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, 375 as opposed to like 425 or is that what you're or talking 500 about? Or 500 yeah. or whatever. Just, I was trying to, ex- just to make the point. It need, going to buy a little less than what you would have bought in January. Yeah. Yeah. We really do need to get ourselves in check. I was looking at the um, average size of homes built over the last 50 years and how Enormous. yeah, bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger. The average, the average home in the U S now is four bathrooms, which makes no sense to me. I don't even know how that's possible, but uh, um, yeah, I think we're up from 1500 square foot for the average home just 40 years ago, all the way up to, I think it's like 2,700 or some insane number at this point, buildable square footage that's done. But uh, advice to buyers, you're saying go. I've heard you talk about arms, so get get smart with your financing. Don't be afraid of the arm. Get educated. More on that. Or if we, if we, we've covered that. We topic. talked about the arm last time, but... I was buying today, I'd be in an arm. And then get your budget smart. I mean, just be more reasonable about what you can actually afford. Be realistic, yeah. Is there anyone that we're saying, hey, you should kind of just just hold off for a little bit. Wait, wait for wait for prices to come down. You're not of that mindset because you think prices are going up. I think they're going up. Sellers. What are we saying to sellers right now? How is that conversation? Um, how are we guiding or uh, maybe even seasonally? What advice are we offering? It's July. Inventory is ticking up. It seems that there's a little bit of a, what's the right word? Um, there's some motivation for sellers to jump in right now, yeah. at least the ones that are trying to realize a price. What's confusing to me about that is most of those are also buyers. Yeah. People buy to buy yeah. and they sell to buy. Yeah. And so um, talk me through that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so if they're trying to take advantage of a hot market, you're still you're still buying it. It so would seem that way. You're in that same market. And usually they're buying up. So yeah, they're spending more money. Just I, I listed we listed three houses last Thursday and it gave me a little glimpse of what's going on. Two of them are Ankeny, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar townhome. One showing, one offer, sold. Uh three hundred and ten thousand uh, dollar two store in Ankeny. One showing, sold. But then I had a four twenty five one in Waukee and we had like fifteen showings. We we end up getting like three offers on it. So I <laughs> so I don't know how to define that, but uh, you know. I guess at certain segments, certain price points in certain areas, still hot. But And I think some of that comes back to communication with other people, like just having conversations with other agents and what they're seeing on their listings that they just sold at the same price. Or, um, I mean, it comes back to getting more information, yeah, the, being the more. The right house is still. Selling. It's still selling. And, I, you know, I wrote an offer this weekend and there was 11 offers on it. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Do, we, do we have to be more careful on pricing, though, in this environment? I had a conversation with an agent yesterday about the distinction, again, between pricing against sold comps mm-hmm. versus active competition. And in a market that's moving like this, your active competition is probably a better read than six or, months worth of sold or comps. Or the pending, looking at the pending that's sold Good. maybe the last 30 days. Yeah. What's uh, you know, Look at the date of that contract. Because I going back to spring and looking at something like that, you know, I had a conversation yesterday with someone where they're like, yeah, we you know, all everything in this neighborhood selling 10,000 more. I'm like, well, hold on, slow down. You know, let's look at the most recent. So yeah, active and then the 
the recent pendings would be important information to look at. This is back to basics kind of thing, but that's how I was, that's how I trained early on and it's how I did things. I always came with three piles, right? One pile was the actives, one pile was the pendings, and one pile was the souls. I actually had a fourth pile sometimes and it was the expires. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... Comparative market analysis, competitive market analysis. Yes. All right. So appraisers are going to do a comparative, but they're not doing the competitive. What's happening right now Which in this market. Which matters more to us in this environment. Especially right now. Yeah. yeah. I think there's only one pile right now and it's the actives. I think that's the only thing that matters. I have a townhome um, that's in a very unique complex, very desirable, nothing for sale a week ago. And I was telling her, I think 400000 is the price you're going to be on that. Over the weekend, one of her neighbors listed at 525 I said, let's list at 450 I don't think in my career I have ever told somebody a $50,000 price increase in one week, but it's it's because there's... It's a perfect time. We're, we're going to look fabulous at four fifty. The five whatever isn't going to sell? Uh, I... I told the listing agent who listed at 525 that I hope it does. <laughs> I certainly hope it does. They actually reduced their price in three days to 518. Mm. They came down. So they apparently chose to shoot for the moon Come down. and then work their way back. But I'd like to get mine in there at 450 before they're <clears throat> before they go off the market. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes me think about how much more conversation we need to be having with sellers or buyers. I'm thinking about the buyers, and I wanted to push back because I'm like, I'm, I've been thinking about buying for years now. And psychologically, at this 5.5%, with the prices what they are, I physically cannot get myself to do it. I, I cannot sell my house and buy basically the same house but newer for twice the money. It just doesn't... It doesn't and so that's a real hindrance. Like so you can tell me till you're blue in the face, all the math and the logic, but it just hurts my head. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm a real estate broker and an investor and I own a lot of real estate. So, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you're, so maybe the question becomes tactics, strategies, or winning conversations with our buyers then. And, and sellers. I mean, I, I, as far as pricing goes, I mean, I think two months ago we were talking about, yeah, we're still, I think you might have said this, Roger, still listing it on the high end of whatever our range is, um, where maybe I was saying be more realistic and list in the middle. And I think we still have to have that conversation with them because you might be at the high end for what your $400,000 townhome right. was, um, but it does depend on what those active comparables are, that it's more information we have to talk through with clients. It's even more consultative than it ever has been. Which I think is good because yeah. it's where the uh, it's where the best of us shine. Right. So, but we got some we got some dusting off to do, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Just put it on whatever you want. <laughs> Pull out some of the old tools that Don't we haven't that. used in a while. Yeah. Um. So I, for one, actually believe that there is a slowdown in sales volume that we're going to experience for the next couple of months. I, uh, as a function of buyer psychology is a function of seasonal impact there. Um, I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. We're not doing what we were just two, three months ago. So you're saying slow down from where we were. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but still there's a lot of people eating that $5.4 million units right now. That's the size of the pie, but there's 1.6 million realtors eating from that pie right now, which is also a record high, right? So it all comes down to 
your individual sales volume because that's how you feed your family. Um, I guess I'm interested more, maybe you guys don't agree with me, but if I'm, if I'm right and we, we, should ex we should be willing, we need to prepare ourselves the next two to three months for a lot of these buyers um, to have that psychological pullback and go, well, I just don't, whether it's smart or not, some of them may do what I'm doing right now and go, well, I don't know. I'm just going to hold back for a second. I guess I'm interested in the psychology for an agent in a market that's slightly cooling and uh, making sure we keep our heads square, where we spend our time, energy, and efforts in a market that's shifting just a little bit. I do not think the wheels are falling off. I actually, I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be good. Um, but right now, there are a lot of people slowing down. Um, thoughts on that? Psychology. That's a good word. <laughs> the psychology as an agent. And remember, prices for investors and homeowners are great. Interest rates matter. In terms of, but at the end of the day, we earn a living by selling units. Mm -hmm. And there is a slight slowdown going, down, uh, going on in unit sales. Thoughts? I, I mean, putting good stuff in my brain is, is definitely helpful in the psychologically. Uh, yeah, it's, it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> For my own mental health. <laughs> but first of all, do you agree with my notion that it's there's a, there's a slight slowdown for a Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, but I think it's more seasonal. Um, it's more connected to seasonal, and it will even out. Um, I do believe there will be more sales this fall. Every fall we have a You uptick. think it's going to pick up again? I do. Okay. I, I, July, um, I think what Roger said. I think um, it's already picking up. Yeah, I think it. It's different than it was the last two years, but I think it's because the last two years have been so weird. And I think that there will be more sales um, happening this fall. I think people will be like, okay, interest rates haven't gone up as much. I can still buy a house. We're going to jump back in. Um, and, and for me, I have to be studying this stuff so that I can have those conversations mm. um, with my clients and be diligent to have those conversations, like call them, say, Hey, let's go have lunch. Let's talk about it. You know, let's, even if there's no house to go show a buyer still need to be talking to them. Yeah. Let, let me take a shot at the psychology of you as a buyer. Let's say I have a $400,000 house. I can sell it. I can buy a $600,000 house. I'm having, it's, it's a very similar house. I'm having trouble pulling the trigger on that. What I'm saying to you is, if you can afford the $600,000 house, then that money is going to do something. Maybe you're, if, if you don't buy the house, you're going to put it in some other investment. Um, it feels to me like the housing market is, even though we talk about the kind of the unpredictability of that, it's way more predictable mm -hmm. than the other markets. And you can't live in any of the other things. You can't buy a stock and live in it. You can buy a house and upgrade and move into it. It's a predictable investment, and you get to enjoy the fruit of that the day you move in. I'd absolutely buy now, Dylan. I don't know why you would wait. Well, I'm looking for something on uh, the south side of Ankeny, Roger. <laughs> south side? No, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I just made that up. To, it was a red herring. Um, I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right, and that's a, that's a great approach. And I, I think we have to have those conversations. I, I do think we need to be careful um, in, in, our, in the consultative sales environment, I think we need to be careful that we don't sell so hard now that we lose the relationship for a, a sale later. Some people can handle that dialogue. I think some can't. 
And I think some of them will feel like you're just trying to make a sale. And the truth of the matter is, is people aren't ready psychologically. Emotions, it almost sounds like the emotions versus the logic, like one's better than the other. I think they're both just part of being a human. And some of our clients just need to ride it out for a little bit and pay a little bit more later. Um, and I, I'm, to Tammy's point, the conversations need to be have, had though. We need to be in front of our clients. I love the whole CMA a day thing. Uh, people need to know what their equity positions are in their properties. It's a great way to reach out to people. But I, I'm with you, Roger. I, I think we need to have conviction, the conviction to sell it that way. I think we need to deploy that with care. But I'm ready to go buy if you can find me what I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to oversell it. But I, even for young agents, put, I think they need to put themselves out there and make the statement, this is what you should do. Take it or it's your decision, but this is what you should do. Yeah. Even if they choose to write it out, at least three months from now, now you can say, well, remember so. what I told you three months ago. And one of the agents in this morning sales meeting brought that up and said, man, one of his clients just kicking himself because he didn't buy three months yeah. ago and he should have. And that agent was telling him to. That produces long-term trust in me as an agent. If you're right. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anything more on the psychology? We just said right this time. Are you talking for buyers or us as agents? I one you started talking about us well, as agents. Well, I'm thinking about you as agents, but maybe maybe the question's wrong because if if I'm concerned about the psychology of a slight slowdown for your sales, but you're sitting there going, I actually just don't think it's going to slow down that much. Then well, it's it's a poor question. Again, it's it's what are we comparing it to? I, I mean, I've been saying for three months, I'm not going to have the year I had last year. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I've, I've been saying that, and, and that's okay. Is that is that it's proving okay. to be true? Yeah, nobody believed me. He didn't believe me, or Brooke didn't believe me, but I knew what was coming, you know, pendings, whatever activity. I'm like, it is, it's not going to be what it was last year, but last year was amazing. So I mean, it was So where are you incredible. at now compared to now? How, what's your, are you at 80% or 90% or? Yeah, probably 95%. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, we I'm just up. had an 10, 15%. Yeah. And yeah, I thought we, the same thing. We but, do yeah. have agents that are down. Yeah. And I, as the company shows that, right? Yeah. I mean, our numbers as a company shows we're. We're, well, the, the problem with the company's numbers is we're a growing, yeah, growing company yeah, yeah. and yeah. we have more agents. So we're up in terms of GCI. We're par on units with more agents, which means that on a per person basis, we're down. And, and part of that is what the beginning of this year, which was kind of gave us a kickstart to a great year. Uh, but it's slowed down since then. Well, funny enough, if you look at the data from my angle, it was actually a slow start to the year. You're talking January? Yeah, and then January, February, and then it actually picked up, and then when the interest rates kicked in, um, we actually didn't see that much of a slowdown. I, I, I have not yet, and until like now, we have not actually seen pending volume slow down. We actually saw it speed up. I believe, though, that now we, we might start to see somewhat of, so that was a, a high-demand buyer pool that wanted to make their purchases this summer, and at any interest rates, they needed to make it happen. But I do think that with the news cycle and some other, some other forces, some of us may experience a little bit of a slowdown. Kyle, I love your point compared to what? But I do think we need to check ourselves. Like, I do think making sure you are in a strong financial position as an agent, not because the wheels are falling off, but mm -hmm. because you should always have a strong financial yeah. position as an agent. And you should yeah. never be banking on the fact that next year's sales are going to be as good as last year's sales. Yeah. Um, I do think there's some of that. Check yourself 
uh, mentality that needs to come into play. And then I think personally that the best cure to any kind of speculation about what the future might hold is to get off of anything that's speculative and onto everything that you can control. Right. And so what is and what isn't in your control. And anyone that's going, oh, no, it feels like it's slowing down a little bit, I'd say get back on your horse and go get with your people right. because it's always what's produced the best results for us. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Uh, I don't know how to wrap this one up, so I'm just going to just going to give you guys an opportunity to close us out with the national <laughs> anthem or something. I'm kidding. Closing thoughts, Tammy. Yeah. Just what you just said. I mean, even for myself, I'm down, I don't know, 16% or something like that. Um, from last year units or GCI GCI. Okay. Um, you know, but I also have, I spent, you know, more time away this spring too. And so for me, it's exactly what you said. I need to be, you know, calling my people, having lunches, talking to them. And those things are what produce the results. So regardless of what happens in the rest of the world. Okay. Carl? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still going to be an incredible year. I, I would go back to some of the greatest lessons I learned in real estate, though, were when it was 2008, nine, like being able to live through that, go back and experience that, like I think has taught me things now. So, you know, a lot of people that have gotten into real estate have not experienced any kind of pullback in the market. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you talked about it, but getting back to basics and uh, even from a business standpoint that I'm running a business and I'm setting my business up that, hey, I'm going to be successful even when times are not as good as they've been. And times have been Pretty good. good. They've been really good. Amazing. Roger, you get the last say. Yeah, well, our business has always been about activity. We have to be about active activity with our clients, with the market. And because of all this national media, national conversation, even the goofballs out there that I'll, I'll see on Twitter, we're just ready to watch the bubble burst again. Man, I love to screenshot that and send it out to my top 10 clients and say, hey, don't believe this guy. He's a goofball. And now all of a sudden there's all <laughs> kinds of act- – so it, it's just about activity. Leverage all of this stuff to create activity, and it's good for all of us. It's good stuff. Can't think of a better way to end it. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I, I offered you all up. I said, hey, if you have any more questions, feel free to reach out, right? Absolutely. That's still true? Yep. Roger, you're smiling? I had a young agent come up to me after the sales meeting uh, this morning and say, hey, can I shadow you? <laughs> Oops. Okay, well, Roger's, said yes. Roger's cell great. phone number is... No. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.